0: Welcome to Living Faith, the podcast ministry of First Baptist Church, Avon Park Florida.
1: This is a message to the church. This is a message for those that call on the name of Jesus. Let your worship be pure. Let your life be pure. Repent. Set it aside. Stop doing it. Look forward. Look to the future and live differently. Prepare to meet
0: for joining us for this edition of Living Faith. You're invited to join us as we continue our series entitled, Roll Down, Judgment and Restoration in the Prophecy of Amos. For the Hebrew people, life in the Promised Land was a cycle. Though God had promised His people a land of plenty, He also commanded them to remember Him and His law in their abundance. The people became blinded by their prosperity and often followed after other gods, worthless idols. Each time, God graciously provided the voice of a prophet to call his people back to himself and to warn of impending judgment. Amos was one such prophet in this cycle. This shepherd, called from the fields of a small town, was chosen to bring God's message of judgment to a powerful and arrogant nation. A message so very relevant to New Testament believers who were part of Israel's faithful remnant through Jesus Christ. So get your Bible and pen ready, and let's listen in as Pastor John Beck leads us through the book of Amos. In Amos chapter 4, is the second
1: sermon that he has given to the nation of Israel, and he's dealing with their sins. Last week in chapter 3, uh, it was the, the sins of the present, and in Amos chapter 4, uh, we're looking at, I guess you could say, the, the sins of the present. Uh, of the past and what they have done but also what they have continued to do so the message is that Amos is giving to the Old Testament people repent just agree with God that what you are doing is wrong acknowledge that it's wrong set it aside stop doing it look forward Look to the future and live differently. And so that was the message that Amos was delivering to the nation of Israel under the the old covenant law. He was proclaiming a message of repentance. Think back to John the Baptist. What was his message? And he was kind of fiery about it. He looked like a, a strange person coming out of the, the wilderness, and he uh, was not a it was not a very popular message. But what did he what did he uh, proclaim? Repent. Turn from your wicked ways. Now think about Jesus. When Jesus came out of the, the wilderness, the temptation, uh, wilderness of temptation, he came out of, of that and he got to the, the Jordan River and was baptized by John the Baptist. And, and notice what he said Repent, don't miss this, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Isn't that awesome? Amos was preaching many years earlier, and he was telling the nation of Israel, repent. And as you take your Bible to, to chapter 4 there, there, thus verse 12, Therefore thus I will do to you, o Israel, because I will do this uh, to you, prepare to meet your God. Now, we'll get back to that. Prepare to meet your God. That was the message to the Old Testament. Prepare to meet your God. What did Jesus say? Repent. God is here. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. All of the Bible points to the gospel in Jesus Christ. I think even today we we think about living our life and we think that the kingdom is a a futuristic thing that they talk about on TV and everything's aligning perfectly and all the, the secret things are becoming known and there's a day that the kingdom is coming. The kingdom came is ruling and reigning through Jesus Christ and so there's a lot that I thought about preaching on repentance and I thought well gosh I don't want to preach on repentance that's not very nice there might be somebody here that's visiting and I don't want to hurt their feelings and to dare point out anything in their life that's not pleasing to the Lord so I'm not going to preach on repentance and then I you know the Lord I didn't really say that you know me better than that that's what Amos preached it's what John the Baptist preached. You know why they all preach about repentance? Because if we repent, we can turn to the cross. See, without repentance, we never find the, the love and the forgiveness and the comfort of Jesus Christ. Pastor Lehman read a, a scripture verse. I love it. If my people. If. And that's what Amos was saying. If. My people. Amos chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. And you'll notice in chapter 4, last week in in chapter 3, hear this word. This is what Amos, Amos had come up from the fields to to the northern kingdom and he looked at the people and said, hear this word. In other words, this isn't my word, this is God's word, just as in today. Hear this word, you cows of Bashan. Let me transliterate that for you. You fat heifers. I was going to save this to next week, Mother's Day. You fat heifers. <laughs> that would have been a, a, a Mother's Day message, I guarantee you, has never been preached. The fat heifers of Bashan. Notice what he's saying. And notice the pointedness of that. You fat cows of Bashan. I'll come back to that who are on the mountain of Samaria, who oppress the poor, who crush the needy, who say to your husbands, bring that we may drink. The Lord God has sworn, great truth here, the Lord God has sworn by what? His what? Holiness. God says, I have to judge because of my holiness. Repentance is based upon God's holiness. Everything, the standard of life, the, the plumb line, the barometer of truth is God's holiness. That behold, the days are coming upon you when they shall take you away with hooks, even the last of you with fish hooks, and you shall go out through the breaches, each one straight ahead, and you shall be cast out into Harmon, declares the Lord. A little bit of geographical information, some historical information here. When the Assyrians come, fast forward from Amos chapter 4, uh, about 30 or 40 years. When the Assyrians come into the northern kingdom, they totally destroy the walls of the cities. And the Assyrians come into the city, and they they totally annihilate the cities. And history says that they made the, the citizens of the city, of the Israelites, the same people that would have heard the message of Israel, they were beaten, and they were stripped of all of their clothes, and the Assyrians lined the people up in a line with, with rope and humongous hooks, and they ran the hooks through their noses and through their lips and through their ribs, and they led them single-footed single line through the breaches of the wall all the way to Nineveh could you imagine that Amos said hear the word of God they're going to lead you out with hooks through the walls the holes in the walls Verse 4, come to Bethel and transgress and to Gilgal and multiply transgression. Bring your sacrifices every morning, your tithes every three days. Offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving of that which is leavened, and proclaim free will offerings. Publish them, so you love to do, for so you love to do, O people of Israel, declares the Lord. I give you cleanness of teeth in all your cities and lack of of bread in all your places, yet you did not return to me. Key thought. Amy says, did God not do this? Yet you did not return to me. I also withheld rain from you when there were yet three months to the harvest. I would have sent rain on one city and sent no rain on another city. One field would have rain and the field on which it did not rain would wither. So two or three cities would wander to another city to drink water and it would not be satisfied. I did all this, but yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. I struck you with blight and mildew and your many gardens and your vineyards, your fig trees and your olive trees, the locusts they devoured. Yet you did not return to me, says the Lord. I sent among you a pestilence after the manner of Egypt. I killed your young men with the sword and I carried away your horses. I made the stench of your camp go up into your nostrils. Yet you did not return to me declares the lord i overthrew some of you so when god over so as god overthrew sodom and gomorrah and you were as a brand plucked out of the burning yet you did not return to me declares the lord true words pointed words verse 12 therefore thus i will do to you O Israel, I will do this to you. Prepare to meet your God, O Israel. For he who forms the mountains and creates the wind and declares to man what it is to his thought, who makes the morning darkness and treads on the heights of the earth The Lord, the God of hosts, is his name. Let's pray. Lord, we are thankful for your name and your holiness and your righteousness and your love for your chosen people. Let us hear your word this morning. Let us understand your holiness in our heart as we prepare to meet our Lord. We pray this through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. That's pretty tense stuff, isn't it? I always, my mind, I mean, my mind wanders all the time anyway. I think all the time. I wonder where he was standing. I mean, was he standing like looking into the city? Was he standing at the office of the leader? I mean, where was he? He, that's, That's a tough message. But it's a message from the Lord. And we think about the nation of Israel, and here's the whole thing about the Old Testament. People say, well, poor old oh, Israel. Well, Israel was God's chosen people of the old covenant. And through the, the blood of Jesus Christ, through the death of cross, on that cross, through his resurrection, we become his new covenant community. We become, as Peter reminds us, we're his chosen people, the church. This is a very good message for the church today, is it not? If my people, you could also say, are you, is my people ready to meet the Lord? Notice what was going on in the the land of Amos. You notice right there, uh, verses 1 through 3. There's those old cows of Bashan. There's a lot going on there. I don't want to make light of it. I'm not picking on women today. Bashan was, a. Uh, uh, if you're familiar with the Israeli history now, would it be what we would call today the Golden Heights, in the northern part of Israel up there. And it was known for its fertile fields. And it was known, if you would have mentioned you know, this area, Bashan, the cows of Bashan, you'd automatically thought about uh, uh, a lot of healthy cattle and uh, rolling pastures, and you would have seen uh, fat cows. And and the audacity for for Amos to, now he's not just talking to any women, who's he talking to? The leaders of the nation of Israel's women. But when we look at that, this isn't about women, this is about God's people. You know what their sin was? The sin of refusing to follow. Now you ask yourself, what do you mean refusing to follow? Well, notice what was going on there. You think about it. Uh, they oppress the poor, they crush the needy. They, they say to their husbands, Bring me more, bring me more. I, I'm never satisfied. I, I need more, I need more. And I thought, oh my goodness, is he, is he talking to us? How does he know what we're doing? You look around and say, well, I'm not fat like a cow. Yeah, but you're never satisfied. It's never enough. We need more. We need more. And it's all about us. It's all about what we need in life. And, and that even in our prosperity gospel that you will hear in, in some of the airways of our country today, if you're right with God, he's going to make you prosperous. And, and when you're right with God, you have everything that you want. And when you're right with God, you're never sick and never without. And we've turned God into this prosperity gospel that we're fat cows of Bashan. God said, I didn't call you to do that. They were refusing to follow what God had asked them to do. He said, You're my covenant people. And Deuteronomy teaches this. And for those that are following kind of the same Bible reading plan that, that we make available, as you came through Deuteronomy, why not it's such a wonderful reminder? What do we need to do? Love God. Follow after God. Obey God. They weren't following God and you look at the judgment that was going to fall upon them, he said, because you do not follow me, because you do not fear me, because you're not treating others the way that you need to treat others because they were old covenant uh, I, I was trying to think of a, a way to explain it in my own heart today, they weren't following the, the covenantal plan there was a, a plan that God had for them that Old Testament covenant that you you love me and you honor me and you worship me and you follow me and you love one another and you treat others right you do as I ask you to do and I thought Well, that's not a whole lot off from the New Covenant, is it? Love God, love others. It's not about us anymore. When we come saved, one of the things I think we don't do a good enough job is Jesus is Savior and Jesus is Lord, but when you follow Jesus Christ, it will cost you everything you have. You tell people it costs you everything to follow Jesus, but your everything's what you don't want anyway. You want to lose everything. It's like, how many of us said that? Why didn't I come to Christ earlier? Why didn't I bow to his lordship earlier? And that's what's so funny. Once we get right with God, we don't understand why nobody else wants to get right with God. And we'll say, it'll cost you everything. But that everything is what you don't want. Let it go. It costs everything to follow Christ. But look what you gain. The kingdom of God. They didn't want to follow God. They wanted to satisfy self. I don't know where you are spiritually, but Jesus himself said, if you're going to follow after me, you need to deny thy cross daily. Luke says daily. Thank you, Luke, for putting that in there. Daily, deny thyself. Take up that cross and follow me. The nation of Israel had a season of prosperity. They had gotten away from God. They had gotten fat and happy. And they were doing whatever they wanted to do. And they were just getting fatter and happier. I think really the reference to the fat cow is, what do you do to a cow before you slaughter it? You fatten it up. And he said, it's coming. And the sad part is, Amos said, it's coming because you're not following God and his wishes for your life. But secondly, the nation of Israel was going through another aspect of their life, refusing to worship God. So you could say point one could be haughtiness. Point two is hypocrisy. They were not worshiping God. Now, as you read this, you ask yourself, well, is Amos saying, Go ahead and just come and do these things because it doesn't matter because your heart's not right. Or it also alludes for so you love to do there at the end of verse 5. It makes it sound like they are doing these things. Let's look and see what they're doing. They're sacrificing every morning. They're tithing every three days. They offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving, which is leaven, and proclaim free will offering, and they publish them. But God says it isn't good enough. You know why God says it isn't good enough? Because their heart's not right. I got a good example of this. It was my first Easter as a pastor. First Easter as a pastor. You see where this is going? I was so excited to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I was, I was, I was ready. And lo and behold, here comes all these people. Oh, brother, pastor, here and one I never forget. This so I had to ask for permission, but I can share. Come in with the Easter lily, brother, pastor. Here's my Easter lily for Jesus. We've been members of this church for 20 years, and it's Easter, and I got on my dress, and here's my lily. What do you want me to put my lily? You know what I told her? Back in your car. <laughs> you live in a small town. You know how people live. I said, listen, I'm not going to stand up here and preach behind that lily and leprosy get on me because of your sin. I didn't say that. I wanted to. (laughs) Now, I appreciate people that come to church on Easter that don't normally come. And so it's not Easter, so it's not you. What kind of hypocrisy is it to come on Resurrection Sunday? We never come to church. We never have time for church. We never give to church. We don't ever do anything for church. We don't even care. I don't even know if they're religious. But they showed up on Easter Sunday with their Easter lily in hand and their flowers on there and their new dresses and their their bonnets. And they were like, oh, it's Easter. I almost wanted to cancel church. And say, listen, we're going to do this tonight at Bible study, okay? Hypocrisy. Amos says, I don't care what you're doing if you're not doing it for the right reasons. Because here's my take on that. You're saying, I mean, I think everybody ought to tithe three times a day, amen? I always tell people when your heart's right, you're going to tithe. And here's the thing about tithing I love I preaching on tithing because I've never met somebody that understands it that doesn't go, preach it. You know who gets mad when you preach on tithing? People don't tithe. You preach on tithing, somebody gets mad. Listen, they're not going to tithe anyway. Who cares if they're mad? Right? What does it matter? Oh, they're mad. Who cares? That's, That's not between me and them. That's between them and God. Where's your Easter lily now? That's hypocrisy. I do believe in all of these things. But you'll do these things when you get your heart right. They're going to naturally be a manifestation of a spirit-filled life. I don't worry about that. But ministry is not about doing for God. You, you do for God because of who you are in relationship to God. And I think, I've been, maybe I'm overthinking this. I thought about, I wonder how many services are going on all over the world today. Where the Bible is not proclaimed, where the holiness of God is not proclaimed, where the gospel is not proclaimed, and we're calling it religion. And there's so many people there, and we look, and we say, oh, look at all the people in the name of God. God says, I don't care. If the gospel's not proclaimed and the word is not proclaimed and it's people not worshiping God, that's the key. I would say this. John says this. I don't care what you believe if you don't love God and you're not following after God. Don't tell me what you believe. Not that I matter. You know, that's what we say. And I've got a family. i got my family. I could go home today and call my family, my close family. They go into heaven when they die. They believe in God. But they don't love God. And they don't serve God. And their life does not revolve around God and loving him. That's worship. For so you love to do, O people of Israel. And don't miss this point. He's not talking about the pagan out there. We're not talking about Joe Blow that doesn't even care. I'd rather talk to them than the so-called carnal Christians. He's not preaching this message to the, to the nations around Israel. He's preaching this to Israel. This is a message to the church. This is a message for those that call on the name of Jesus. Let your worship be pure. Let your life be pure. And in the case we have forgotten, and I, I love what, what God's Word did here for the nation of Israel, there are five things that God said, I did this. Remember when, this is what Amos said, and all this happened. Remember the famine. Remember when your teeth was clean. How about that? Isn't that, isn't that a great thing about? There's no food on your teeth. Remember when you hadn't eaten in so long, you didn't need to brush your teeth. God said, God did that, and He brought a, a, a famine upon the land, and then He brought a drought. And this is in just the history of Israel. Remember the drought that I brought. You didn't turn. You might have prayed for rain, but you didn't return to me. You might have prayed for food, but you did not return to me. You wanted to drink, but you didn't return to me. I brought mildew and blight and, and gardens and vineyards, but you didn't return to me. I couldn't th- help but think about it. A minute I, thought about, I thought about greening and groves. And I thought, I wonder how many of our, and I've been, you know, I, I've, I've learned to be more agricultural when I moved here. And I am burdened about the, 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 uh, the, the citrus industry. I'm not being, I'm being very serious here. But I wonder how many farmers pray for relief but don't pray for restoration. I'm not, I'm not one of I'm not these television preachers that every time something goes wrong, that's God's judgment. Listen, we're not God. I and mean, every city is sinful. And just because a storm, you know, the storm came in New Orleans, they're, they're, they're judging the sinful city. Well, Avon Park should have been wiped out a long time ago, okay? There's sin everywhere. Everybody deserves the judgment of God because of his holiness. But all these things continue to happen. I defeated you, verses 10. Think about Sodom and Gomorrah devastating destruction, defeat, drought, disease. But you didn't return to me. Think back to uh, in the Old Testament. You remember the, the book of Judges? You remember how the book of Judges went? There would be prosperity, and then the people would turn their back on God, and what would they do? They'd cry out for judge. They'd cry out for deliverance, and God would provide a judge. He'd provide a judge to come in, and they would defeat the enemy, and they they would return to God, and there would be prosperity, and guess what happened? They'd go right back to their old way. They'd cry out to God. He'd send a judge. And it was a, a cycle of these events that took place in the Book of Old Testament Book of Judges. And I think a lot about our own lives. How many times do things happen and, and we, we cry out to God, but what we're asking for is the problem to go away. We're really not you know, using that to get close to God. And then things kind of settle out. It's, it's kind of like they were talking about 9-11, the number of people that returned to church of 9-11. Only leave again. Now, I'll be the first to admit, through the discipline of God, I did get knocked flat on my back. When you get knocked flat on your back, guess where the only place you can look? Up. And God used that. Now, I could go back and, and Sharon could tell you a lot of details of these types of things. There was a lot of discipline going on in my life. I kept resisting, I kept resisting, I kept resisting. And I tell people, and I say this very seriously, I am surprised God spared my life. I can look at events that unfolded in my life that I should have passed away. I should have been killed. It's just amazing. And that, you know, I don't know. I could tell people it sounds good. If I wouldn't have repented that night, he'd have taken me the next night. I don't know what was going on, but I got so low and I got so far down. All I could do was look up. And now I thank God for his discipline because it enabled me to look up. Have you ever been there? And you you turn around and you say, Gosh, look where I'm at. Look how disgusting and dirty. You know, this look where I'm at. I'm grateful that God shows me that. That's what he was telling the people. Disease, despair, destruction, defeat. Look where you're at. Look where you're, look at the misery that is upon you because of your disobedience. It's nobody else's fault. We cannot blame anybody else. All we can blame is ourselves. My people did not return to me. Verse 12. Therefore, because of your refusing to follow me and your haughtiness, because of your refusing to worship and your hypocrisy, because of your refusing to change and your hard-heartedness. It's not hard-headedness. It's hard-heartedness. Because you hardened your heart and you refused to change. Therefore, thus I will do to you. Because I will do this to you, underline this, prepare to meet your God. If by refusing to follow, if by refusing to worship, if by refusing to change, then. It's that if, then, people prepare to meet your God. I thought about that a lot. There's really two alternatives here. Have you ever got a summons to appear in court? Makes you nervous, doesn't it? I just got an invitation to a wedding. There's a difference between a summons and an invitation. Let me tell you what a summons is. Next, Lamb's Book of Life. Next, name, next. You know what an invitation is? Come on in. Come on, you can come on, come on. I love I love picking on people that love the end times. I love it. I love to get them frustrated. I literally got a call one night from a total stranger. I don't know if it was an angel, a test, I don't know what it was. Pastor, you don't know me, but my name is, and somebody gave me your number. And I'm, I'm like, I go to bed early. everybody, and I tell everybody that John goes to bed very early. If you need me, Call Stanley or Robert next door to me and they'll tell me in the morning, do not call me, I'm going to go to bed early. Brother Pastor, there's a satellite image in Baghdad. They're rebuilding the temple and we also know the red heifer was born. I went, what are you, I know what he's talking about. You know what I told him? Jesus is coming back, we already know that. And I and I, I mean it's so simplistic. People look at me and goes, "You don't care?" I know he's coming back. I got the invitation. <laughs> right? It's not a secret. I've got the invitation. He hadn't told me the time yet and I'm still waiting, but I've got the invitation. I don't I don't care about a secret hidden message somewhere that nobody else knows, but a special person that just found it. I don't care. I've got the invitation. He's come. I tell you, he's coming back. And he's judging us. He's going to judge America. He's going to judge every nation. He's judging everybody. He's coming back. Are you ready to meet the Lord? That's the question. He's coming. Is it an invitation or is it a summons? At one point in my life, it would have been a summons. Now it's an invitation. 1 John 1, 9. I want to read that real quick. You give me the liberty to... I never asked for your permission to wander off before, but... If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just. To forgive our sins, gosh, I love this, and do what with it? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When I turned back to Christ, my grandmother met me on her porch with open arms. She didn't care what I had done to her. She didn't care how I treated her. She cared nothing about it because I was her grandson. She's like, "Welcome home." How do you explain that type of love? You can't. You know what Jesus Christ says? If you will turn back to me right now, and mean it and understand I don't care about what you're doing I don't care about your hypocrisy I don't care about what your worship all I want you to do is turn to me and he says I will cleanse you from all unrighteousness but we got to lay it at his feet and your bullets and I provided something that just I loved for years. I, had to, I even had to remember where I found it from so I could give the guy credit. The path of repentance. What if we humble and we pray and we seek the face of God and we turn? What happens when we repent? We enter into the arms of our Savior. And we meet the Lord. Notice that it's not steps. It's not all of this. Pray. Ask God to show you those things in your life. Those ladies that were up there in Samaria. and All they had to do was slow down and seek the face of God. And he would have told them. All we have to do is slow down and cry out to God. He'll show us everything in our heart we need to do. To change, identify the sin. Embrace the gospel. Take steps to stop. Replace your sin with righteousness. Seek fellowship as a means of grace. And then, guess what? Review it again. It's It's a continual life of being cleansed from our unrighteousness and ready to meet our Lord. As sad as it is, those ladies were led out of Israel with hooks in their lips, naked through the holes of a torn down wall that had been destroyed. All because they did not return to God. I don't know where it ends for you, but I know where it can start. Turn to God in repentance and faith and enter into his presence. Are you ready to meet God? It's an invitation. It's not a summons. It's a come unto me all ye that are heavy laden. Take my yoke upon you and enter the rest. If my people then Let's stand as we pray. Lord, we thank you for the word of God this morning. We thank you for our fellowship, our worship, but more than anything else, we thank of you. thank you for your presence and the word. Lord, as we come to this point in our service, I pray we take very serious our relationship with you. This message is to the church. Lord, I do pray that we are not as the nation of Israel a long time ago refusing to follow you and living a a life of haughtiness, refusing to worship you and living this life of hypocrisy, living this life that we refuse to change in hard-heartedness. Let us meet you. Let us meet you because of what you have done for us on that cross. We pray all of this in the wonderful name of
0: Jesus Christ. Amen. That's all for this edition of Living Faith. Listen in every week for more from the preaching and teaching ministry of First Baptist Church of Avon Park, Florida. You don't want to miss any of our current Sunday morning sermon series, Roll Down, Judgment and Restoration in the Prophecy of Amos. Our senior pastor, John Beck, will be walking us through that important Old Testament book for the coming months. For more information about First Baptist Church of Avon Park, just go to fbcap.net. You can find us on Facebook by simply searching for First Baptist Church, Avon Park, Florida. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash fbcavonpark. First Baptist Church is located at 100 North Lake Avenue in Avon Park, Florida. Our Sunday service begins at 1045. You can find all this information and more at fbcap.net. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again next time on Living Faith.